Welcome back, or welcome to the Single Track Podcast. I'm your host, Finn Melanson, and in this episode, we talk with Jasmine Paris, a professional trail runner for Innovate based in the United Kingdom. Jasmine's racing resume is significant, with overall wins at the Spine Race, a fastest known time on the Bob Graham Round, a top 10 finish at UTMB, and way more. Most recently, she completed three laps, also known as a fun run, at the vaunted Barkley Marathons in Tennessee's Frozen Head State Park. Due to Jasmine's media schedule, we only had 20 minutes to chat, but we covered good ground, including what inspired her to line up for Barkley, what her physical and mental preparation looked like, the keys to completing a fun run, whether she has plans to return next year or beyond, and what other events and routes in the United States interest her. Let's get started. Jasmine Paris, welcome to the Single Track Podcast. Hello. First things first, huge congratulations on completing the fun run at the Barkley Marathons just a couple of days ago. Do you have any initial thoughts? Thanks very much. Um, yeah, no, it was a very intense experience. Um, was, yeah, it was kind of looking back, um, um, I'm already missing it. So um, it was pretty hard at the time, but yeah, we, we, it was definitely the adventure that I was looking for. You say that you're already missing it, which is interesting. Is it a fair question to ask? Are you intending to return to Barkley next year? I, I, I'm not going to say for sure at the moment, but um, I definitely would say that I was considering. Yeah, it, was de- it would definitely be something that I'm thinking about um, to go back. What inspired you to do Barkley in the first place? Because when I look through your ultra signup page, and just in other articles and interviews, it looks like you've done some really non-traditional races that require self-reliance and grit and orienteering, but a lot of that stuff is over in Europe. So I'm just curious what drew you to, to race here in the States and, and to do Barkley. Yeah. So I guess Barkley has been a race I've sort of known about for quite a long time. I can't even say when I first heard about it. But after the spine in 2019, people started asking me whether I was thinking of running it. Um, and initially I would have replied no, because um, I guess I wasn't that um, attracted by the idea of a race that runs loops. Um, and it sort of sounded like um, a lot of suffering. Um, but I sort of suspected um, that I might change my mind. And indeed, um, I think it probably just needed time. And it was sort of, I think last summer that I suddenly knew that I wanted to do it and I guess I was just waiting for that moment of realization because I definitely think that Barclays a race or a challenge that you need to want to do there's no point I think in going unless you're fully committed um so I guess I was waiting for that for that point to happen um and then it did and suddenly I was excited about it so um and I think that the kind of excitement was about the idea of doing something that is probably impossible but not definitely impossible like there is a slight glimmer of um a possibility that you could maybe just pull it off um, and that's exciting because it's exciting to do things when you um when you probably can't um but it's also kind of um exciting to kind of push yourself um to that limit because I think that's when you really sort of find out what you're made of or who you are that's when you sort of really experience things with everything stripped back um, that's when you really get to know people um, that you're with so um, I think those experiences are kind of 
the ones that stand out in life as being like this is this is life this is living the rest of it's just kind of um yeah floating along sometimes so yeah that that's kind of why I wanted to run the race but it needed time for me to get to that point well there's a lot of questions I want to ask you there especially as it relates to mental preparation and the mental side of events like Barkley but first I'm curious what was your training like for this event and was it different from training you've done for other things like the Bob Graham round or the spine or UTMB in years past? So I didn't, I didn't actually really have a kind of coach or even any like set training before this until I sort of was training for the spine. So for things like the Bob Graham and the UTMB, that was back in an era when I just went out for a run. So you can't really compare it with that. Um, but in terms of the spine, I guess the difference now would be that for the for Barclay, I did I was really trying to get in quite a lot of ascent once it got closer to the event. Um, and we actually had some really bad weather here in the UK over January and February when I was doing my kind of biggest weekends. Um, so um, it wasn't really that safe to run high up. So I did quite a lot of running up and down on, um, you know, one slope of a hill um, where it felt safe, where I wasn't going to get blown away. Um, and so I did a lot of hill reps. Um, I think on one day I accumulated like, I don't know, 18,000 feet of ascent um, in, in one kind of seven hour session running up and down the same hill. And the dog thought I was crazy. Like he started off doing the full reps with me, but by the end he was just like doing the, the middle bit and just waiting for me either, either side. So um, yeah, I did quite a lot of hill reps. Um, I did all my training early in the morning the way I always do, um, but it just meant that weekends, um, you know, sometimes I was setting off my long runs at 4am just to be back before lunchtime to spend the rest of the day with the kids. Um, so yeah, the main, the main kind of difference was that I think that I did more steep hills and more ascent um, for, for this training. Um, and I also did a couple of kind of practice Barclay marathons. My family organised a couple of practice um, Barclay marathons for me, um, including one over New Year that my brother organised, um, where the whole family went out and did um, as many loops as they could. Um, and it was, you know, he did it. You weren't allowed to use any tracks or trails. Um, and he left books, magazines, including ones like Lost in the Arctic, the title of the magazine. And um, <laughs> like, it, it was really brilliant. His Barclay was really brilliant. And actually it was good experience because I, I forgot to take a page from one of the books I had to hike back up the mountain. So it was kind of probably good learning experience. So I had my brother and my mum to thank for those practice Barclays as well. That is so cool. Total buy-in from the family. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything you did in training to try to simulate or get comfortable with sleep deprivation? Like I, in your scenario, I'm guessing you spent, what was it like 30 or 40 hours, uh, continuous time on feet. Maybe you did do some quick naps in between laps, but yeah. How, what would you do to prepare for like the inevitable amount of sleep deprivation? You know, honestly, I didn't actually prepare for that at all because I, I know that I don't sleep enough. Like, so basically the training for the, um, the training for this race in itself was, um, was hard enough in terms of sleep. Like I, um, just, just day daily getting up at, to do the 5am session when I was kind of often doing paperwork in the evening to just, um, to get work done. Um, so I wasn't sleeping probably quite as much as I wanted to anyway um and I guess those long sessions at weekends like to a couple of them I started at 4am so I got must have got up at 
like 3 a.m. to to have some food and get out on the hill. Um, so that in itself, I, I think, was was enough training. I wasn't going to kind of train the sleep deprivation any more than that. To be honest, on the race, um, I, it started at a really good time. It started in the in the morning, so and I managed to sleep in the night. Um, so for me, the 40 hours, um, I, I didn't feel particularly tired, like in the sense of sleepy tired by the time I finished. I think that I'm probably pretty well set for, like, I, I think as far as the sleep goes, that would be one of my advantages in trying to do 60 hours. Um, because, um, yeah, I think that's something that I'm, compared with other people, I probably need less sleep than, than some people do. You mentioned earlier in the conversation that you're attracted to these events where finishing is not a certainty that there's actually a very strong likelihood that you're not going to be able to complete what you set out to do. And that's a really interesting way to approach races. I'm fascinated and I'm curious, maybe this is a good place to talk about the mental side of training. How do you prepare for events like that? Like with Barkley, in addition to all of that vert you're accumulating from a running standpoint, are you doing anything on the mental side to grapple with that level of uncertainty? Yeah, no, that, that's really interesting. I kind of watched a, um, I watched an interview um, with, I think, Jared, um, who's like a three-time finish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, about this. Um, and I'm pretty sure, um, I think it was around then that they were sort of talking about um, everything being like preparation for Barclay. Um, um, hopefully I've not I've kind of misquoted that, but certainly it was one of the interviews I watched. Um, and the you know like everything that went wrong in beforehand you sort of think of this is good parkly training and um, I'm not quite sure I went to that level but certainly when I was doing the kind of my hill reps and which were really sort of yeah after, after you've been doing running up and down the same hill for like six hours you really don't want to do anymore and and the kind of the inclination would very much to have been to even just just go and run something more flat or just run somewhere else and um, but I think just making myself continue to do that the things that were really uncomfortable um and as I said we had loads of winter storms this year where it was really unpleasant running I kept getting knocked over um and you know being out there in the dark at 5am when when it's um, you're getting horizontal sleet in your face it was really unpleasant so um the easy way out would very much have been to just go home and I think most people would have um you know certainly me included would have gone home but I, I kept telling myself well look, if you think this is hard, it's going to be way harder at Barclay. So you either just accept that you're not going to do Barclay or you like push on through this and then, um, then at least you've got a chance. So I think that was helpful as well. When I look at all the events you've done over the course of the past couple of years, you come across as somebody who possesses a superior level of mental toughness. And I'm curious if you think that that's something that you innately possess or it's something you have worked to get to during your career? Um, I guess it's probably a little bit of a combination. I think, I think I've always been someone that if they want something, they're kind of willing to really work for it. Um, and that kind of, I don't know, that applied to kind of my career as well in the sense of, you know, I'm a vet, but I'm a specialist. And so you ha had to kind of go through those years of kind of hard training, lots of night shifts and that sort of thing. So like, if there's something that I've really wanted, I'm kind of willing to go for it full throttle and really like put my head down and, and try. Um, and I'm also, I guess, a bit quite stubborn in that sense. And that's not always a good thing. Like if you're injured and you keep running, then that's can be a bad thing. But, um, you know, so I think that kind of that determined 
stubborn kind of qualities are probably helpful when it comes to something like Barchi. Um, and then the things that kind of come with time, I think, are um, maybe the self-belief. So the more you do long events, the more, for example, you know, learn to know that you're going to go through rough patches and you just need to keep eating and keep putting one foot in front of, an, of the other. Um, and you also learn that, like, for example, at Barclay, it would have been easy to say, oh, most of the people, there's lots of people ahead of me. You know, I'm not really doing very well and, um, and, and so on. But you go on to the second loop. And by the time I finished the second loop, it was it was like, um, so many people dropped out on that second loop. So it was just a case of just need to make it to the end of the second loop to already be in the top five. Do you see what I mean? So um, sometimes it's just a case of self-belief and also having had experience of knowing that it, you just need to kind of keep your head down and keep keep going. Um, and um, and often people around you actually just, um, yeah, are the ones that give way. If, if you can keep going, then you that automatically brings you much higher. Up in, if you if you're doing a race into, into the kind of the top top few, I understand that you are both a veterinarian and a parent, and I think part of what makes our sport so special is there are athletes, high caliber athletes like yourself, that can balance all of that. I'm curious how you are able to perform at such a high level when you have so many other important responsibilities in your life. Yeah, sometimes it feels like. Sometimes it feels like I'm split too many ways and I cannot not do anything um, to the kind of best best of my as well as I would like. But um, I think there there are also times that when those kind of things feed off each other. Like I think um, I have like quite a um, intense and at times stressful kind of clinical job, um, and I think that part of the reason. I can continue to enjoy my job and not let it overwhelm me is that I have running to kind of as act as an outlet. Um, and, um, and, you know, and, and the kids, I think that I am a better, I genuinely think that I'm a better mum when I can run and kind of like diffuse all my kind of stresses and tensions and just like be completely me um, in the hills and for that hour each day or hour and a half in the mornings. Um, so it's true. It is really, it's hard to do them all at once. I don't want to give the impression that it's easy um, because that in itself would be, um, yeah, disrespectful to all the people that are struggling. Um, but I um, also think that they do kind of feed into each other and help. Um, for me, um, there are lots of positives to be gained by kind of splitting myself um, in this way as well. Moving over to the race itself, I'm curious what you thought the keys to success were for completing the fun run? <laughs> I mean, I, I guess my, my, my kind of definition of real success would have been to complete the whole thing. But in terms of getting around the, the fun run, um, yeah, I think I kind of touched on already um, just kind of that determined <laughs> head down kind of resilience, I guess, um, in, on loop two, because that was where, much of the field dropped was on loop two which where the weather was the weather was bad I get the impression on Barclay from Barclay standards it could be much worse um it just it rained a lot um and then the kind of the fog came in a bit there was a little bit of wind but it was pretty you know the wind wasn't bad but it was mainly the rain like it was just it rained all night um so I think just kind of my um I think the fact that I was prepared and I had lots of clothes with me made a big difference because lots of people dropped out just because they were too cold and so I had 
good waterproofs, like heavy waterproofs. And I had extra fleece. I had extra long top, had spare gloves. I had waterproof gloves, that sort of thing. You know, like I basically put on loads of clothes when, when, it, when it started to get bad. Um, and so I was warm. I was never actually cold on loop two. Um, I was definitely wet and covered in mud, but um, I never got like worryingly cold. So that, that was one of the things that I think helped me. Um, and then the stubbornness helped me both when just to keep going forward and also when I, I got lost several times on loop three um, and you know it was tempting to just sort of say oh I've had enough but I each time I just sort of kind of pulled it together I was like concentrate Jasmine you've got this far you know you can sort this out and work out you know where you must where you where you've kind of ended up um, and get yourself back on track and kind of correct the mistake um, so um, all those things really um, and holding it together at the end when it kind of got a bit tight for time and I had to kind of do a bit of a sprint to get to the finish last thing I guess I'm I think I kind of compared to some people as well I think I'm fairly good on rough terrain um, which is an advantage at Barclay and I'm also really used to running off off track so most of my a lot of my training um, and a lot of my experiences as a fell runner and so we're used to running off trail um, so that was a real advantage and also navigating off trail. And um, so those things helped as well. You mentioned that you haven't made a decision yet, but you might consider returning to Barkley next year or in one of these next couple of years. If you do return, would you do anything differently next time around? Like, were there any lessons you picked up from this attempt that you would apply to going for a full five laps in your next one? Um, I guess I, I think I'm probably, and this is more just for me, but like, I think I might do, I might like get into orienteering for, for, for a few months um, and do some more events like that, just kind of to get, I would say I'm not a bad navigator, but I think I need to be like really slick. Um, I don't, I think I can't make the same number of mistakes if I want to try and get around five laps. And the fact is, it would be really nice to be running with someone that knows the way, because I ran for a short period of time with somebody that was really good, like they really knew it. Um, and that was a massive advantage, like a massive, massive advantage. And if you had someone to basically guide you around the five loops, I think that would be a totally, totally different sort of challenge, really. Um, but at the same time, A, you can't rely on that. And B, I'm not sure I entirely would want to rely on that. Like I want to kind of do it, you know, um, do it and really feel like I've, I've done it for me um, and you can't rely on someone gu guiding around the last lap anyway because even if you were running with someone you'd have to split up so I think the main thing is that I need to like really hone my navigation that would be my challenge. Okay. Are there any other races or events like Barkley in the United States that appeal to you? Are any of these long distance trails for example like the Appalachian Trail something of interest to you that you would pursue in later years? Yeah, and it's a, definitely, and, and I haven't actually looked into those enough, but for example, yeah, the Appalachian Trail is is one thing that I, um, yeah, it's kind of there at the back of my kind of radar of things um, that I'd probably like to look into in time. The other thing is something called Nolan's 14. Yes. Um, yeah, so that that's certainly been mentioned to me, and I'm guessing that's something that I might want to have a look at. In terms of races, there's not that many of the races, like races, but I probably would like to run Hard Rock at some point. Um, so I'll probably try and, it's just getting into Hard Rock, isn't it? But um, yeah, so that would be something else I'm sure that I'll try to do at some point. 
Well, Jasmine, I really appreciate your time here today. I'm going to ask you one more question. It's a question we always ask uh, folks who come on the pod. If you could put a message on a billboard for all to see, what would it say and why? Um, I think I would say, I would say, I think I would say something along the lines of, um, a hero is defined by the effort you put in, not by, um, the result you achieve or something like that, you know, um, that it's about, it's about the effort you put. And I think that's what really defines you as, as a person, as a hero. If listeners want to follow your next race or your training or on social media, are you on Strava or Instagram or Twitter, anything like that? I'm not on Strava, um, but I am, I have like a, I'm on Twitter and that's like at Jasmine K Paris um, and I have a blog. So I'm going to write something about Barclay probably in the next day or two. Um, so I'll post something there and um, that's probably the best place really. Um, Twitter. Yeah. Well, we'll put it all in the show notes and it was great to meet you and congrats again. Can't wait to see what you do next. Thanks. It was great to chat. Okay. Bye. Hey folks, thanks as always for listening. If you enjoyed the conversation, all I ask is that you give it a share on your social media platforms and that you leave a rating or review wherever you listen to this podcast. Until next time, this is The Single Track and I am your host, Finn Melanson.